Coming to you from the Morningstar Mission sponsored studio, this is Carl and Crew Mornings. There's a word that kids learn to say really early on. If they don't know even five words, there's okay. one that they learn really early. <laughs> I want to take a guess. Mine. Mine. <laughs> Mine. Yes. Mine. Yes. I was thinking yes. the same thing. <laughs> Love it. Why is that one of the first words that kids learn? <laughs> I think Mine. it's because there is, well, I mean, we have to think of sin nature as yes. is nature. You know, we're, yeah. we're born into it. So it doesn't matter how young you are. I think that everybody struggles with selfishness yeah. and being maybe a little bit overprotective or defensive of their own stuff. It and a sense of it being, Hey, it's mine. It's mine. And I'm picturing, you know, you kind of, you stretch the arms out to almost create like a barrier. Yeah. Don't touch it. <laughs> like, mine. I'm going to draw a box around this. It's mine. And it's with, all kind of stuff. I mean, when it's li- when they're little, it's like toys. Sure, sure, yeah, and stuff Sometimes like food, that. Like if they're munching on something, so, yeah, have a bite. Toys no, or a, a yeah. snack, or mm-hmm. I mean, and then they get a little bit older, and it's like this is my my son got a Christmas present, like a little uh, an electric drum set, not okay, yeah. like the kind that you it well, makes the you. noise. <laughs> Well, it makes the noise, but it's just like a pad that you lay yeah, out on okay. a table. Yeah, okay. Absolutely. And so he wasn't playing with it, but his sister went over and wanted to try it out. And all oh. of a sudden it's, that's my yep. present. Mm-hmm. I don't want you touching it, even though I don't need it right now. <laughs> Where do you see mine want to like kind of flare up in your life, Jonathan? Ooh, Where man. do you, is it like, this is mine? Food? <laughs> food? Yeah. Jonathan really? doesn't share food. Doesn't Third party. So if your wife wants to sneak and grab a French fry. She she asks. She doesn't sneak. Uh, (laughs) But but she I I will let her have them. My my affection for her overwhelms the selfishness I have. Good answer. Good answer. However, nobody else gets that same opportunity. And so, in fact, uh, we had dinner with some friends a couple nights ago and. It was kind of a, some like a shareable. It was Thai food, so it's a shareable kind oh, of thing. I'm not with the shareables, but uh, that's another story. I, I, me neither. But and that was kind of the thing is I said, hey, if you want some of mine, you can you can have some. And my wife afterwards was like, I was super surprised that you said if you want some of mine, you can have some because it's just please? out of my character. I don't normally do that. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Super die. Where are you tempted to kind of draw that box and say mine? Oh, probably maybe workspace. Oh, okay. Um, Jonathan, this is something. I know. I'm going to stay over here now. Be careful. You know, if I'm doing something like that's mine, I'm working on that. Like Mm. if you're going to move it, could you ask me or Ah, what did you do with it? That kind of thing. Um, uh, Yeah. Workspace. (laughs) Work stuff. Probably. I would think this is that's mine. How about you? You know, mine, 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 (laughs) my room, mine. (laughs) I think for me, it's, a little bit more nuanced. I think it's time. Hmm. Ah, I, okay. Yeah, I get that. It sounds so selfish, but no. I, I sometimes struggle to relinquish if I feel like I've carved out time for me. Okay. Or this is the part of my day where this usually happens. Whether it's like this is my devotional time or this is my relaxation time or is this the time I wanted to lay down and take a nap. Then something like an unexpected phone call or 
I go. Oh, I know the feeling. <laughs> this you know? is so odd because I wish I had your strength to say this is my time. Really? Isn't that weird? Yeah, I look at it going. Wow, I wish I had more of her strength to well, say no. I don't know if I'd time. say it's a strength because it's it's where I'm prone to be most selfish. Sure. Okay. Is with okay. time and feeling like, no, 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 this is my time. Yeah. My time. <laughs> I get that. It's it's because you're right, Diana. There is a sense of of being healthy. Yeah, with there's a healthy my time. Exactly. <laughs> but <then> there's a <laughs> I get the rigidity too, where it's like there is nothing that will break through my time. It's mine. <laughs> There's no text. There's no phone call right no, now. That is too urgent. Yeah. <laughs> like, my time. My time. What about money? Are you ever mm, tempted ah. to say mine when it comes to your finances? Do you struggle with selfishness maybe in that area? We're marching through this top 10 list. It's been a lot of fun already. What are the things you need to financial moves you need to be making in 2023? Rob West coming up. Boom Crew. Celebrate what God is doing in you. This is Carl and Crew Mornings. Top 10 money moves you need to be considering in 2023. We've got Rob West with us all week long. He's the host of Faith and Finance Live, which you hear weekdays afternoons, 3 o'clock right here on 90.1 FM. Good morning, Rob. It's been Good a joy morning. walking through this list. I'm, I'm, I'm tracking it for myself, going, which ones of these do I need to be doing? <laughs> so let's give a quick recap. Yesterday, we had our top three. Give it to it. Yeah. Just give us the list, those three we went over yesterday. I'd be happy to. And we started with really some more foundational things, both spiritually and financially. So the first was grow in your understanding of biblical money management. I threw out a few book ideas that you can get if you text into the show. Uh, the second was begin a gratitude journal. Start or end every day just reflecting on a couple of things you're grateful for. It will change your perspective over time and change how you handle God's money. And then three, strengthen your financial foundation. I suggested you automate money going into your emergency fund if you're not quite at three to six months expenses. Just have that happen automatically into an online savings account and you won't miss it. And then secondly, make sure your spouse has all the details on your financial information and trusted advisors. If they're not the one doing the uh, administrative side, the bookkeeping side, they may not know where everything's located and something were to happen to you, we want to make sure they do. Yeah. So number four, has to deal with life insurance. This is yeah. one that people sometimes have take a set it and forget it kind of approach. What do we need to be doing as it pertains to life insurance? Well, maybe set it and forget it or maybe not have it at all. Allie, one in four American adults don't have life insurance. Wow, that's so higher than I would have thought. Yeah, it is for me as well. And so let's make sure that we're providing for our families both in life and after death. And this is one of the ways to do it. So just a simple rule of thumb here, Allie, is to have 10 to 12 times your income during your working years in life insurance. The best way to do that most cost effectively is what's called term life insurance for a set period of time. We want to have it during your working years, but then we can let it go once we reach retirement because we've seen Saved. And now if the Lord were to take us home, nobody is left with a hardship because our income is gone because we're relying on other assets at that point. So term life insurance, make sure you have it as a starting point, 10 to 12 times your income. Now, do you recommend that somebody, what's the best way to go about getting term life yeah. insurance? Should you work with a professional on this? Is this something you could do on your own? 
Yeah, you can go either way. I mean, it's uh, it's always a good idea to have wise counsel. And so if you have an independent insurance agent who could shop this for you and help you select the right policy, that's a good idea. These days, you can get it online. There's a lot of great tools on the web that would help you look across all the insurance companies to determine which policy is going to be most cost-effective, but also a company that's very highly rated in terms of the strength of the company. Now, this next one kind of gives me a chuckle a little bit because I'm interviewing (laughs) Rob West, host of Faith and Finance. This kind of sounds like something that might come from Dr. Gary Chapman. (laughs) A a date night with your spouse? What does it have to do with money? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I mean, who doesn't love talking about money on your date night, right? Right. (laughs) But it's it's beginning a monthly money date with your spouse. So what in the world is that? Well, it's a time to review your spending plan, update your goals, make course corrections. It's not a time, Allie, for finger pointing. It's really to make sure you're on the same page. Uh, My friend Shanti Feldhahn, who's a Harvard researcher, wrote a book called Thriving in Love and Money. And if you haven't read it, I'd encourage you and your spouse to pick it up, maybe go through it a chapter at a time on your money date. But here's what she said. She said, Seventy percent of couples have conflict in this area of money, and there's two key things that help you overcome that. The first is to have margin. So what she found was it wasn't a matter of your income to ensure you don't have conflict over money. Uh, It was that you have something left over at the end of the month. So you've got to live below your means. That's number one. But number two was, and you won't be surprised communication. We've got to be communicating about money. And when we do, it helps us move forward together. Now, you take questions live on your program all the time, and I'm sure you get a lot in this area. When when spouses don't agree, whether with yeah. it's how to save or how to invest or where do we give, or maybe you have one spouse who spends a lot more, who has an expensive hobby, and the other spouse sure. grows resentful. Uh, when when it comes to the area of communication, what are some guiding principles to help people navigate conflict that comes up around money? Yeah. Well, I think number one is recognizing we all come to the table to the marriage relationship with different money backgrounds. You know, if you stop and answer the question, what was money like growing up for me? It will tell you a lot about how you handle money and view money today. So we all come from a different place. We may have had abundance, plenty. Others may, you know, money was much tighter. Some, their parents modeled a spending plan, others didn't. And then there's how God wired us. Some are spenders, some are savers. So it's a matter of coming together and recognizing those differences and appreciating them and seeing that together we're a more accurate reflection of who the Lord is. But then I think the key, alley to your question is we've got to start with our values and our priorities and saying, what is God doing in our family? And how can money be a tool to accomplish that? And how can the budget actually be an instrument of peace in the marriage to move us forward? That's an accurate reflection of both of us. It reflects my hobby and your hobby and a little bit of spending money for me to do what I want with and the same for you. And But the big idea is that our goals and our priorities and our values are reflected in the things that we're doing. So when we're sacrificing in the short term, it's because we're trying to accomplish the things in the long term that we want, which could be a great family vacation to build memories, or it could be saving for college or retirement or the giving goals that we have. But we're doing it together and communication is the key. Rob West. 
West, our guest right now. You can hear Faith and Finance live weekday afternoons at 3 o'clock right here on Moody Radio. Uh, coming up, we've got another resource I want to point you to. It's a, an app that's going to be very helpful. Number six in our list, straight ahead with Rob West. Got to go into work? Don't worry. Check out the Carl and Crew Showcast wherever you like to stream. You're listening to Carl and Crew Mornings. We've got Rob West with us right now as we talk these top 10 financial moves to be making in 2023. So let's talk about, before I give you number six, give me the why behind number six. Many people have dollars that slip out. Many, many dollars that slip away each month that we don't really know where they're going. It's a cup of coffee here. Uh, it, it's yeah. it's a you know a, a pair of earrings you know for the ladies or sure. something else. What do you give me the why behind number six? Yeah, so number six is recommit to a spending plan and monthly tracking. So the why is, well, this is a great time of the year with a fresh start for us to be giving every dollar a name. What do I mean by that? I love well, that. I love that. I've heard you say <laughs> well, that before. It's so good. We have to because, to your point, Allie, it will slip through our fingers unless we control money. It will control us. It will find a place to land. The question is, is it the place we really want it to? And if we're not controlling it, are we truly able to accomplish the things that are, that are really most important to us? Because margin, having something left over at the end of the month is key to accomplishing our goals. Well, the only way we can do that is by having a plan, sitting down and saying, not only those things that I get a bill for, but those discretionary spending items, the things that I don't get a bill for. You mentioned some of them. It could be buying clothes, eating out. It could be lunches during the workday. It could be that coffee we have, hobbies, any number of things. And, you know, Larry Burkett's tried and true envelope system, which used to be physical envelopes. And some of you still use that. We hear from you on the program. And that's great. Uh, where you literally fund your envelopes every paycheck. And when the money's gone, it's gone. Mm. Well, we uh, spent a couple of years with some world class developers and built what used to be called the MoneyWise app. It's now called the FaithFi app. That's Faith FI. And basically, it's a beautiful, simple, digital version of the envelope system. So you can connect it securely to all your accounts, download your transactions automatically. They quickly go right into all of your envelopes that you've set up, which get funded after every paycheck. So at any point during the month, you or you and your spouse can open the FaithFi app and see, what do I have left in eating out? How much is left in coffee and groceries and clothing and all the things that we've set up so that you can t stay on track? And again, the why behind it is so that you have something left over to fund your long-term goals. What kind of feedback have you gotten so far on, on the app? What, how does yeah. this change thing for, things for people? It's a game changer. I mean, we literally hear from folks every week. There's now 40,000 users of the FaithFi app, and they say, this is a game changer. It's now right in the palm of my hand. I can see, and my spouse and I can see at any point exactly where we stand in our monthly spending plan. We now have a way to control the flow of money. It's simple and easy to use. And we've got folks that will connect with you via Zoom at any point by appointment uh, to help you get it set up and answer all of your questions. So it's really simple, and folks are finding a ton of value. So it's the FaithFi app, and you'll find it on our brand-new website at faithfi.com. Just click app. You can read all about it. 
I've got the resource for you, all of the links, the recommendations, they're all in this one handy a little sheet for you. If you want this top 10 list from Rob West, just text the word money to 312-274-9624. Money to 312-274-9624. Rob, thanks for checking in. We'll talk to you again tomorrow with the four, the last four on our list. Appreciate your time. Can't wait, Allie. Thanks for having me. Text the word money, 312-274-9624. Man, put at least a couple of these into practice. It'll change your life. Your shot of hope to make it through the day. It's Carl and Crew Mornings. We've got a special guest with us this morning. His name is Teddy Matthews. He's the team chaplain for the Chicago Bears. So what exactly do you do as team chaplain? Well, thank you all for having me. In my role specifically here with the Bears, I have a Tuesday coaches Bible study. I have a separate players Bible study. I have a pregame chapel opportunity where we have a pregame service with the those who are interested in coming to it and then pre and post game prayer. So it's, mm-hmm. it's essentially kind of like walking through a spiritual guidance, almost a, a pastoral kind of role, if you will, uh, within the team and organization. Now that's a role that you're familiar with. You're the senior pastor of Empowerment Anywhere, which is a local church here in the Chicagoland uh, area. And then the last couple of days have been very, very difficult. People have been paying attention, uh, understandably, to this situation with Damar Hamlin. What have you been hearing from your players as they're processing this? Absolutely. I think the major part of it is still processing. As you said, Mm -hmm. Uh, there's a reality of moments like this are incredibly unfortunate. They are unforeseen. However, they're the reality that many of them face on a daily basis, right? They're they're putting their life on the lines in many ways. And we don't talk enough probably about the humanization of the players and the sport. We kind of view them as entertainment and you know, just athletes who, who do this thing for whatever amounts of money, but there are real people behind these uniforms and these helmets. So, you know, they're they're processing what this means for one of their their coworkers, their their brothers, but I think they're also kind of reminded of the reality of what they do. And I think the world is getting a chance to be reminded of the realities of the sport. Yeah. And what do you think that this this particular situation has captured the attention of so many people, even outside of locker rooms, even beyond people who regularly follow sports? I mean, I'm seeing interviews on, on cable news. And what is it about this moment that you think has captured the nation's attention? Well, for one, I definitely want to make sure I mention the fact that you know we're we're processing and praying for for him, for his family, and for the, for the full recovery, and that the Lord's will be done. Yeah. I think was really captive. I think captivated everybody's attention around it, and what and what the Lord I feel like is doing potentially through it, and in the way in which it could be being used to bring light is, you know, even that moment in time, Monday night, and even since then, there's there's this global community of prayer. There's this sense of bonding and unity. Um, you know, we're watching so much of that, just conversations that wouldn't normally happen are happening. And so I think what kind of is manifesting through this process, at least, is hopefully something that won't just be a moment in time, but we something that kind of leads toward potential change and opportunities for one, the sharing of the gospel, but two, just kind of the the realities around the mental realities of what they face daily. Yeah. Now, give me a little bit more of your own background. Um, how did you come to faith in Christ? You, you mentioned the gospel. When did that, uh, the message of Jesus Christ, the reality that, wow, I'm I'm a sinner in need of a Savior, when did that really hit for you? 
sure. So I say I was in church my, my whole life. I was one of that was raised in it, but it wasn't quite in me. I think mm-hmm. the realities of the gospel, the transformative power of it, my need for redemption, restoration, and then ultimately transformation probably happened my later years of high school, but definitively was when I was a college student at Aurora University was kind of when I felt um, something significantly shifted when I really was saying I probably had one of those those Paul kind of experiences where my eyes were opened. I saw me differently, saw the Lord differently, mm-hmm. saw a different pathway forward and felt compelled to now in turn uh, go out and to do the best I could to spread that transformative message to others, this yeah. hope, this love, this opportunity. I was a college student. Now, I, I love to hear stories, so you got to give me a little bit more. What what was going on? <laughs> what, this this moment? Tell me, tell me a little bit more detail. Yeah, so for me, it was interesting. I was doing well. I was a college student. I was just kind of doing their thing. I was a part of the local student government association. I was doing some other organizational things, and I was working full-time while I was there. So I was going back and forth. So life was comparatively good, but I, I felt this sense of dissatisfaction and discontentment. I had this strange unction to start reading my Bible again. I had been in church my whole life, but yeah. I had never really read it for my own. I went to private school for high school, and so I, I knew a lot of it, but didn't know a lot of it at the same time. Mm-hmm. But I had this desire that kind of came upon me to start reading it. So I stopped I stopped hanging out kind of with some people. So I'd go, I'd go back to my room early to read my Bible. And while I'm reading my Bible, I'm having this interest, this burning desire. I'm talking to my pastor about it. And he starts kind of having these questions for me. Well, ultimately, I said, well, I don't want to do that. If you're telling me this is some sort of ministry call, I have no interest in a ministry call. That's not really what I want to do. And as I attempt to kind of fall away from that, I have this strange kind of health thing that happens where if I'm not reading my Bible, my head hurts. If I'm reading anything else, I have this headache that comes. It's the kind of these physical ailments that don't necessarily make sense. And the only time I feel better, oddly enough, is when I'm actually reading my Bible. And... Ultimately, it causes me to kind of submit in a different kind of way towards saying that there's something else I want you to be doing, something, some work I have for you to be doing. And if you would submit to what I'm asking you to do, I'll, I'll still allow you to have some of the desires of your heart, but your heart needs to be centered in mine. And that's kind of the rest of history. Wow. Uh, so you didn't, you, you weren't looking for a ministry call, but here you are now a pastor, now a chaplain. What is your main heart to communicate to both the people that you pastor and to the young men that you have the privilege of being a chaplain for? What's the main thing that you try to communicate to them? Uh, Probably that there's hope. My Mm -hmm. my message is a message of empowerment. It's what I really feel like the gospel is. I feel like the gospel is a message of hope and empowerment, one that lets us know that anybody and everybody is never too far away from God. Yes. And that also that the second we would allow him into our heart, that we would open our hearts and our minds to receive him, we could experience a newness, um, life in heaven, so life eternal, but then also life abundantly while we're here, that we could experience life a different kind of way when we would submit and take heed to the to the promptings of God. Mm. This is really what I say to them, and I say to anybody I get the chance to serve. Good word from our guest, Teddy Matthews, a team chaplain for the Chicago Bears, also a pastor. If you want more, just go to TheodoreMatthews.com. You can check out his website, TheodoreMatthews.com. Teddy, thanks for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me. Talking about Jesus and having fun while doing it. We're Carl and Crew Mornings. Carl here with Carl and Crew Mornings. Omer Eshel, our guide for this trip to Israel. Tell us a little bit about Tel Aviv. A lot of people would walk into Tel Aviv and they'd go, 
My goodness, this is a very modern city. Yes, it is. Tel Aviv is actually the first Hebrew city in the modern era. It was built in 1910. Funny enough, the name is Tel Aviv, yes. but it doesn't have any tell. No tells. No. What no. is a tell? Tel is basically an archaeological cake. It's a, it's a mount which is base, basically built out of different layers of civilizations. So if one civilization, civilization builds its castles or builds its home, another civilization comes over, take it, destroy it, and then basically builds on top of the ruins. That's why you have layers of different civilizations. Tel Aviv is not one of them. Tel Aviv is called Tel Aviv because of uh, Ezekiel, when he said, I will bring them from the exile Tel Aviv. So that's the only place it's mentioned in the Bible, and it's because of the gathering of the Jews. That's why they named yes, it Tel Aviv. Yes, that's why they named it Tel Aviv. Yes, and Tel Aviv actually started as a neighborhood of Jaffa. Today, Jaffa is the neighborhood of Tel Aviv, and it's a, it's a, it's a cool place. I mean, Tel Aviv, is a re- it's not biblical. That used to be the Philistine land back in the biblical era, but it's a cool place. It's a very, very, very modern city. Because it was Philistines in the biblical era, is that why it's somewhat disputed with Palestinian? That's part of their argumentation no, no, on no. Tel Aviv? No, Tel Aviv, Tel Aviv uh, was always, there was no, no dispute about that. Tel Aviv was bought by the Zionist movements years ago, 200 years ago. So there's no dispute about Tel Aviv. It's not Gaza. Tel Aviv, in the biblical era, there was a village over there by the name Kassila. Kassila was the northest part of the Philistine land. After Tel Aviv, that's Phoenician. We're going to go through Tel Aviv to the land of the Phoenicians, which the Bible called it the Sharon. If you remember the, the rose yeah, and the rose lily. Sharon. Yep. How about them apples, guys? Yep, we are touring with The Bible Comes to Life. You can Google it up, by the way. Google The Bible Comes to Life, and you will find Omer's ministry. And it is a ministry, isn't it? Yes, sir, it is. Very proud of that. What is God doing right now that you would love people to go to the website and find? When you go to our website, you can see you cannot book any tours over there because that's the ministry website. TBCTL.com is the ministry. And you can search the educational uh, component that we have over there. We have more than 110 different vignettes of clips that proves the Bible with archaeological digs. And by the grace of God, this is being used on a Sunday basis throughout Africa and uh, other nations that we cannot say on air right now. But we are very, very much in the forefront of helping Christians and other believers to see the truth of the Word of God all over the world. Love it. Hang on, guys. We'll be back tomorrow. Yep. Freedom Friday, January 6th, where the tour really gets underway officially. Well, you just heard a little bit from Carl. He's traveling to Israel this week. I want to make sure you know about something that's going to be taking place when he gets back, though. He's been doing these webinars to give you information about coaching that he's doing and kind of in partnership with his Seven Resolutions book. He's going to be three strategies to transform your spiritual life in 2023. That's what the coaching seminar is going to be called. So this webinar, totally free. It doesn't commit you to anything. You just sit and listen in, get the vision for it. And if it's something you think you want to commit to, then you get further details and can take that next step. But if you just want to check it out, just text the word seven to three, one, two, two, seven, four, nine, six, two, four. There are webinars. One is a weekday or Thursday. I believe it's a Thursday, double check that for me, January 19th at 7 o'clock. And then the next one is a Saturday morning, January 21st at 10 o'clock in the morning. So you only need to sign up for one. They're going to be the same. So just text the word 7 to 312-274-9624. If you are interested in some coaching, text 7 to 312-274-9624. Hey, this is Carl with Carl and Crew, and I'm so grateful that you listened to this showcast. 
Thank you mostly for being part of the Boom Crew as we help you take your next step with Jesus. You're a huge encouragement to us. We'll be here again live every weekday morning from 5 to 9 a.m. Godspeed.